I speak this morning, um, I want uh, Tim to share with you what he shared with me in our meeting before service began today. Uh, So uh, yesterday, as probably most of you men were doing, we were getting the yard ready, making the house look nice after the disaster that happened from Thursday to Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) And so all getting them brownie points, you know, doing our thing. So I was out working in the yard and... um, a lot of it was just playing with my daughter and listening to music, but some of it, Holy Spirit was really talking to me, and I have something for you to consider. Amen. How old is your spirit? And so I think a lot of you who have been here for any stretch of time would say a lot of different answers that would kind of mean the same thing, which is eternal. And, you know, I asked it to Steve, and he had a really good answer. He's like, I've been paraphrasing. I've been sitting next to the throne of Yahweh since the beginning of time. And so I'm like, yeah, that's the, I mean, he said it a little more eloquently, but that was my thought too. And so if that's the case, generations are just a combination of natural reference points. Tradition and nostalgia is a man-made institution. Now, there's nothing wrong with tradition or nostalgia. I love them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm very sentimental. But it's when our love of tradition and, and our deep feelings of nostalgia guide our decisions more powerfully than they have a right to. The only thing that makes a millennial a millennial or uh, you know, a baby boomer, a baby, baby boomer, Gen X or Gen X, whatever uh, generation, it's just the technology, the music, the people, the politics, the style that they grew up around and the way that it shaped them by the natural. Mm. So I believe I was born for this time. Yes. If you've ever seen the amount of Marvel movies that exist, Yahweh knew. right so i I also believe there's a purpose and an intent for us being here and there's nothing wrong with these things but we cannot let them be fetters and shackles to us well said so generations are man-made they are a product of natural occurrences our spirits are the same age they have the same reference points so if we seek entirely by the spirit and have those same fluid connections the same reference points or lack thereof we would be able to see eternally minded rather than just the mindset of a single lifespan, which is what a generation is. Mm. Identity should be kingdom, and we can be different representations of the kingdom throughout the ages. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Tim always has a way of uh, making his words count. And, uh, And again, I love that what he just released to us and it will matter as I begin to speak on what I'm going to share this morning. Spread the Word is the series that we are beginning this month and I want to talk about something today that I'm going to define as unspoken potential. Unspoken potential. The age that follows Christ is meant to be filled with possibilities. So why do we settle for history? The age that followed Christ was meant to be filled with possibilities. So why is it that we are fixated on repeating history? and rehearsing it over and over and over. What happens 
when I receive, as Tim Carney put it, the traditions, the history, I receive what is nostalgic in those moments and times. I hold in my attic, in my barn, in the attic, I have a box that's a little bigger than the top of this table. I have this box, and in that box, I have things that I have had uh, since I was six years old. In that box, I have, and my mother streams live from Houston, Texas, and she's streaming right now, um, certainly, and in that box, I have a shoe box filled with ever, every letter. My parents were divorced when I was young. Every letter that she ever sent to me in that shoe box. Every single one that she ever sent. In that box, I have a, when I was eight years old, I was taken by a uh, friend of the family to a restaurant called Bob Evans. We have those, we used to have one in Lake Mary, I think it closed down, but to a Bob Evans restaurant, and I was taken to the Bob Evans, and they had a little blue mailbox bank with a little red flag on it, and you would put your coins in there, and you could put a lock on it. When I was eight years old, I was taken there, and I was, they, whoever took us there, I know who it was, but the person who took me there with my brother bought me that little blue mailbox bank from Bob Evans. I was eight, just a little dude. I went home, and I got a little lock, and I put a little bitty tiny lock on that because when you close it, it has a little hole, and you can lock it. The new ones that they have don't do that anymore, or that they had, but it had a little, it's got a little lock on it, and it had a slot, so I would, over the years, I would slide things in there, coins, papers. I remember sliding things in there. I don't remember what all of it is, but I was looking or perusing through that box last Christmas, and I remembered as I'm just rehearsing these things that are nostalgic to me, and I pulled that bank up, and I jiggled it. Still got a lock on it, and I jiggled it, and there's coins and papers and things that are inside of that mailbox, and for a split second, I thought, I'm going to open that lock. I'm going to cut it. I obviously don't have the key, I'm just going to cut that lock, and I'm going to find out what's in it. And then I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let somebody else do it when I'm long gone. But I'm not opening that box because I have no idea what's in that box. But somebody's going to be surprised about that at some point in their life. And I'm looking through that thing, and I'm finding baseball cards. I still have, an orig- I have four original Hank Aaron baseball cards. And I'm finding all of these. I've got every single team, every player of every single major league baseball team of 1964 and 1965. Every single player. It's in my closet at my house. Right, I shouldn't have said that. Don't, if you break in, I have a 44, I have a 45, and I have a 9 millimeter, and they are all loaded. So... I have these things, and I'm looking through, and I'm seeing these things. And as I think about these things today, how interesting they are. I literally just got those baseball cards out recently, just a month or two ago, and I was just looking through some of them. I actually thought, eh, maybe I'll sell some of these things, go online and sell them. And then I 
put them back in the thing and put them up on the rack and said, no, nah, I'm not going to sell. It's in an old wooden box. The wooden box is about to rot and fall apart. I need to make a new one. In my little print from when I was a little kid, see, a lady that wasn't even my grandma, all this is going to make sense to you in a minute. Just bear with me. Are you, am I boring you? Grandma Cotterman. No relation, but when I was a little kid, all I remember was when I would go to church with my dad as a little boy, she would always give me butterscotch because she knew I loved butterscotch. And I was a little rascal, and I would run up to her every time I would be with my dad and we would go to that church. All I wanted to do, I didn't want to hear about God. I didn't want to hear about Jesus. I didn't know who they were. I just want to know, is Grandma Cotterman here? And if not, why? And I'd run up to Grandma Cotterman, and I would, she would give me a piece of butterscotch, and man, I would suck on that butterscotch and finish it up before I went to sit with my father because I knew he'd make me spit it out. So I'd finish that candy. But I have things in there from her. I don't even remember what she looks like. She's, I'm sure, long gone by now, but I don't even remember what she looks like. But I have all these things, and I think now... I love the history. I love the nostalgia, and I love the mystery that's present in that box, along with my little red leather, my little red vinyl cover Bible that was given to me when I was six years old. I love the history that's in that box. But that history, none of it defines me. Because somebody might say, wow, he kept all of those letters from his mother, so he keeps all letters. I don't keep all letters. Oh, sort of. I keep all prophetic words and I keep all the, well, maybe I do. Maybe not. it's probably not a good, it's probably not a good, uh, but I'm not defined by the history. I'm not defined by what is in that box that we all do in our own way. We take all these things, Keith, that have been our past and we compartmentalize those and we put those in a place in our mind and our spirit Believing that one day we're going to access those things again. Believing that one day those things will be life to us again. And, but all they are is a reminder that we have locked it. We don't know where the key is. And we, do we really want to open it? All we want to do is really just have the memory of it. I just want to remember that that was a good moment. I want to remember that it was this. And this is the nature of much of the church world today. And I'm going to address, I'm going to reach back again to something that I had talked about, a series we had done, Taking God at His Word, some months ago. And I want to get back to this thing in the Bible, and I want to share something with you this morning. But before I do, let me read this statement again. The age following Christ was to be filled with possibilities. Why? Are we comfortable settling for history and repeating it over and over and over again? There are two verses in the Bible that have only two words in them. Two verses. In Scripture, in the Word, that have only two words. One of those is John 11.35. Turn with me there if you would, please. John 11.35. Two passages that have two Words. The first one, John eleven thirty five in the English Standard Version, and just about any version, it's really hard to change the <laughs> whole meaning of these two words. Says Jesus wept. Jesus wept. 
Two words. Why did he weep? Because Lazarus, yeah, because Lazarus was dead, or supposedly. And because they didn't have faith that he wasn't. And Jesus wept. And then the next verse is an interesting one. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to that place, John 21, 26. I'll give you a minute. <laughs> John 21, 26. Are you there yet? The SPV is the Steve Parker version. In John 21, 6 follows John 21, 25, which reads like this. And the new, I want to read this out of the New American Standard. I don't know that I put that on your program like that. But I want to read it out of the NASB. And it says, and there are also many other things. Everybody say, there are. There are. Not there might be. He said, there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. Now, in the modern church, in the historical church, in any church, this is the last verse of chapter 21 in the book of John. This is the last verse. And it is here that the church has grown comfortable living. When John said, made this statement, the world itself could not contain the books that it would take to record, and I'm paraphrasing now, the miracles that Jesus did, for some reason, somehow, some unbelievable way the church was not curious. How can a man, a disciple, an apostle, a man seated with Christ at his right hand at the table, who writes, the world could not contain the books that it would take to record the miracles that Jesus did. How is it that following that verse, the church world does not say, what did he do? How can the church say, John, 
is amazing. John was incredible. We quote John. We tell people when they get saved, read John. Just when you get to the period at John 21, 25, that's where you get off. But nobody told us that. In fact, when I got to the period at the end of John 21, 25, when I got to that period at the end of John 21, 25, I heard a voice saying, John 21, 26, keep going. But, 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 but there's nothing else there. And yet I hear, keep going. Well, the church, a building that is the church, some call the ecclesia. I'm not even in agreement with that because they call it a governing body. You know, this ecclesia Greek nonsense that so many of my peers are using today. They're going to hate me for saying this. I'm just going to say to you what I would say to you. Well, they're trying to find ways to define this leadership culture and this church culture and this culture instead of saying, define me. Holy Ghost. Define me. I'm not an ecclesia. This isn't an ecclesia. This is a group of churches that have gathered together to change the world in a John 21, 26 way. Yes, sir. Do you hear me this morning? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So we get caught up. And I've done it, did it for years until I realized that that period was not an end but an open door. I was guilty of what so many others were guilty of and Christ was just waiting on me to grow up enough. See, sometimes we got to grow up. I talked about it this morning. You got a baby. You don't teach a two-year-old to tie a shoe. You teach them first to use the bathroom. Because they're not able yet to tie their shoe. But when they're able to tie their shoe, you teach them to tie their shoe. And then you teach them to whatever, whatever, whatever in these steps. But see, I wasn't old enough yet in the kingdom of God. I wasn't old enough with my ability. I wasn't mature enough to be able to hear the voice of Holy Spirit to understand what that period was. So I was trapped by what came before the period without knowing that there was an invitation to enter into a place that came after the period. And Tim Carney asked me a question this morning. And he asked me, he said that. He said, when, when, uh, when were you, uh, how old is your spirit? He said, how old is your spirit? And I said, at the risk of sounding arrogant or prideful, that's not my intention. 
But I've been sitting at the feet of Yahweh since the beginning of time. And he's been growing me up every day since. And I'm going to say to you today, to you, <laughs> I'm going to say to you, that would be you. Yah is Greek for you. And <laughs> Don't you forget what you were born for. You better figure out today. Somebody might say, boy, this is distracting. Well, get, get, become a part of it and you'll, it'll stop bothering you. Millennials, what were you born for? And what's getting in the way of you becoming what you were born to be? What, who, what things are getting in the way of that? For you to be who you were born to be. At some point, we got to decide as a people what side of the period I'm going to live my life in. Because if you're going to live your life on the side of the period that only gives you the hope of history and not the possibilities of tomorrow, then you're going to be running in circles every single day of your life and you're going to find yourself going around the same mountain over and over and over again. You ever wonder why do I keep fighting the same battles and why do I keep feeling like God is so far away because maybe he's on the other side of the period. Maybe he's gotten you to the place where you have the faith to get there but you have a refusal to go. Wow. Is there anybody hearing me? Because it's important you get this this morning. So when we read John 21, 26, and I said to these gentlemen, my friends that I was with, and I kept referring back to it over and over and over again. I was numerous times on that. In our time together, I would refer to John 21, 26. Well, where, where do you see this, Steve? Where's that in Scripture? John 21, 26. Well, there is no John 21, 26. Yeah, there is. You just aren't living in that place. What is available to you and me. What does the Father hold in His hand that doesn't look like something on the other side of 26? Instead, it looks some, like something on this side. What does He hold in His hand for you? Do you know why the church today, Wendy, still looks the same? We, the message has changed. The way the times that we meet have changed. The paint on the walls have changed. The carpet, the kinds of chairs instead of a solid wood bench. We've got these broken up burgundy chairs that are single on their own, but somehow we create a bench.
We don't have those old church pews because we're a modern church. No? Well, how is it that I can't? Well, I shouldn't be able to. They're locked together. I've created my own pew, and it stinks. Because what the church does is we keep living in that everything prior to John 21, 25. We, we choose to stay there. The church world chooses to stay. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. Greater things than these will you do. And he's saying right now, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father saying, you're not going to do greater things. You can make it up. You can try to speak it. You can try to prophesy it. You can do all of those things. But until you get on the other side of that period, you're not doing greater things than I did. He said, because how can you do greater things than me when you don't know all that I did because most of what I did hasn't even been written. You haven't even read it yet. You first got to get there so you can know what I did. Greater things than these will you do and the church is like we're doing greater things today baby man we're healing the sick we are raising the dead and so many thousands are getting saved and Jesus said and, and you think somehow that's a big deal if you knew what was in John 21 26 if you could just get a glimpse of what's on the other side of that period but you're going to have to believe for what makes you a little bit uncomfortable you know the first time you hear it it's uncomfortable the second time you hear something, it's familiar. And then the third time you hear something, it becomes common. The third time you hear it, it's like, okay, now I get it. And this is the pattern of the church today. And Holy Spirit says, you want to do greater things than Jesus did, you're going to have to get past what you keep reading over and over and over again. You know that little plastic case you've got on your table? I'm going to offend somebody, I hope. You know that little plastic case you got on there to read the scripture a day and it sits on your table and every day you just pull one of those out of there and Jesus pukes every time you do? Your verse a day that you get in the email from Bible Gateway? And every day you get that verse a day and Holy Spirit saying, I want to give you something, but you don't make room for me to give you anything new because you're still stuck in that. And then tomorrow, this is the one you're going to pull out. And how many times have you read that? How many times have you repeated that? And here you are again. Because in your life, in your world, everything revolves around Genesis to Revelation. And he said, oh man, that was, that, all that was was a doorway. you got to hear what I'm telling you today. I'm telling you there's a people in here right now, and, and every one of us, we've got to reposition today. Yeah, we need to reposition in our mind and in our spirit. We need to accept this. We need to accept we cannot keep doing what we're doing and expect that he's going to release to us the fullness if I keep walking forward but my head looking back. Amen. John 21, 26 isn't about throwing away, as Tim said, the tradition. Living in John 21, 26, listen to what I am about to say. I'm going to make sure this is recorded for anybody that goes out and says he's kicking out the Bible because it's not what I'm doing. John 21, 6, 21, 26 does not make John 21, 25 and everything before it invalid. 
John 21, 25, and everything before it is still important. But it is a gateway. Why in the world would John say, why would Holy Spirit, if we believe Scripture is inspired by God, why would Yahweh say to John, John, I want you to write John 21, 25. John, I have a good idea. I want you to write this verse. And what it's going to do is it's going to raise curiosity, and these people are going to dive beyond that. I wonder if the Father really knew that what the church would do is just kind of dig a hole and what they had been given, and that's where it would be. I wonder if, if the Father ever repents for even inspiring the written word. I wonder if he ever says, wonder how different they would be had I not given them this road map. If you don't think that he ever second guesses himself, well, he's done that numerous times all through that scripture that we camp in. If I'd have just killed those Israelites, Moses, but I let them live because you begged me. And now it's going to cost you your prompt. Oh, man. I should have just let them go. And I, you could have raised up another people that would have loved me and served me. What's the message today? Let me wrap this up. John 21, 26 is about having prophetic eyes until our prophetic eyes become our right now eyes. We're going to bring by word and spirit what lies in front of us into this place that we are in. We're going to learn and we're going to witness and we're going to understand and we're going to, by revelation, receive and be changed by the things that Christ did that have never been written because the world could not contain the books. When we talk about fluid worship and changing the church, when we talk about this, we talk about this, well, for a lot of reasons, but one of them because I am passionate. And I can tell you when I breathe my last breath, no matter what anybody else does, even my wife or my kids, when I breathe my last breath, I can tell you what the Father is going to say about me. He's going to say, Son, you are a son in whom I'm well pleased, and you were fearless and you did not compromise my truth for the glory of a moment. You did not compromise my truth so that you could have more friends. You did not compromise my truth so that you could have your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife. You did not compromise my truth so that you could get into this place and get into that place. But you stayed true. And you pressed into places that others feared, that others ignored, that others denied. And what about you? What about you? It's good to see you today. I don't mean to embarrass you. Maybe I do. Sometimes it's effective. <laughs> But he is taking us to a place. And I can't get it out of my spirit. I don't want to be the ecclesia. I don't want to be fivefold. I don't want to be apostle. 
pastor, teacher, evangelist. I want to be Steve Parker, a son of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I want to be Steve Parker, willing to go literally where no man has gone before. And my heart is that at any given point when I look around, I see you. But if I ever look around and I see no one, I will not change my course. Let your life reflect your passion to get into those places that are so far past where we are that the Father cannot help but celebrate you so loud everybody around you is impacted by the noise. Do you hear me today? And I don't want to get stuck in 2126. That is a reference point. That is a a place. But there's a 27 and a 28. And on and on. You know what a Google is? A million zeros. It's a number with a million zeros. And whatever that Google place is, what comes after a Google? Whatever that is, and whatever comes after that, infinity. But the only way we do this is when we get more fluid every week. I'm exhausted of church as usual. In many ways, we have not been typical, and in many ways, we have. Let's just be honest. Our message might be different, but man, we are painted the same colors. Let's change it. And I want you to take this, and I want you to spread the word, literally, the series that we're doing this month, spread the word. I want you to spread the word. I want you to tell your neighbors about Christ. Tell your family about Holy Spirit. Tell your coworkers about Yahweh God. Tell everybody you know that their life can be changed here that there is a place they can come where their life can be changed. People want their life changed. They just don't want, they love nostalgia, they love tradition. They just don't want to camp there. You know why the millennials have this entitlement mentality? Do you know why there's this, and I know some people don't like that word millennial, but just hang with me. Do you know why there's this entitlement? Because we've come to the place where we've run out of ideas. 
We've run out of ideas, out of ways to teach that generation. We've, we've exhausted ourselves of ways to raise them up and to teach them because we're stuck in such a past reference point. And because we ran out of ideas, we said, teach yourself. If you want it, you can have it. What do you want to be? What sex do you want to be today? Where do you want to go to school? Do you want somebody to pay for everything for you? It's okay, because we've run out of ideas. But man, you get on the other side of that period. And the world is not big enough to contain the books that it would take to record the miracles of the greater works that you and I will do for the glory of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, I lift my voice over these sons and over these daughters.